You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It is Thursday. I'm so glad to have you with us. Tag a friend. Let them know that we're alive. Listen, you need to get this lesson. We're going to have a great time in the Word this Thursday. Now, I'm teaching from the subject, and this is a three-part subject entitled, Why Doesn't God Stop Tragedies? Why doesn't God stop tragedies? This is lesson two of a three-lesson series. In our last session, in lesson one, I, I gave you the history behind the question. Someone on my Tuesday podcast asked a question concerning the shooting in Texas. Uh, there were 19 kids killed in a school and two uh, teachers, 21 people were killed. And a person watching our Tuesday podcast asked the question, if we're asked by others, why didn't God stop it? What should we say? And I thought it was a great question because there are many people who are asking these questions They're asking questions, why doesn't God stop it? Why doesn't God intervene? So I thought and felt led of the Spirit of God to try to attempt to tackle this question. Why doesn't God stop tragedies? Now, in lesson one, we answered the question, why tragedies happen? We said that tragedies happen for four primary reasons, maybe others, but four primary reasons. Tragedies happen because of human sin, human error, direct satanic involvement, and the curse that came on the earth through Adam's fall. Now, in this lesson, we're going to ask and answer a question. Is God really in control? That's the subtopic. That's what we're going to be dealing with today. But I want to go back to some introductory questions, an introductory question that I made in lesson one. I want to make it before we uh, look at this question. What happens when a lie is believed? What happens when a lie is believed. Well, when a lie is believed, God's nature and character is distorted. Secondly, when a lie is believed, Satan and demons are exonerated. They get off the hook. Thirdly, what happens when a lie is believed? Believers are left confused and powerless. What happens when a lie is believed? Unbelievers are not impressed and they're turned off. So this question, why doesn't God stop tragedies, is a very important question. And I don't think we should just 
brush it off. I don't think we should just say, well, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. No, no, no. I think we should tackle this question. Why doesn't God stop tragedies? Now, this subtopic today is going to be different, and the information is going to be different for many of you. Now, some of you have heard me teach along these lines, but a host of you, no doubt many of you, have never heard what I'm going to share with you in this lesson. It probably will contradict many things that you have historically and traditionally believed. But I want you to stay open. I want you to listen. I want you to do what the Bereans did in the book of Acts. The Bible said they searched the scriptures to see whether or not these things that Paul and Barnabas said were so. So don't just receive it because I said it. Go and search the scriptures, evaluate the scriptures, pray to God, get revelation from God, and then move forward in him. So I'm at asking the question. It can be a scary question for some people. Is God really in control? We, we hear that a lot. And I've been saved over 40 some years. And I've heard that a lot. Well, God is in control. God is in control. You know God is in control. Well, the question in this lesson, is God really in control? Let's look at the traditional view. The traditional view that many Christians have is that God is up in heaven and he has us, all humanity. He has us and our circumstances on a string like a puppeteer has puppets on a string. You ever seen a puppeteer? Maybe on television or maybe at some kind of uh, gathering and the puppet tear was manipulating a puppet with a string. The puppeteer was dictating when the puppet lifted its arms, when the puppet walked, when the pu puppet sat down. The puppeteer was manipulating the puppet by a string. That's what many Christians believe about God. He's a puppeteer and humanity we're all puppets. Many Christians believe all the events and circumstances of our lives are all orchestrated by God. Everything, every event, every circumstance is orchestrated by God. He's the puppeteer. They say, this is what many Christians say and many people say, if God didn't have a purpose for it, he wouldn't have allowed it. Have you ever heard that before? If God didn't have a purpose for it, he wouldn't have allowed it. And the very fact, in other words, the very fact that it happened, God must have had a purpose for it. So God is orchestrating it through his purpose. 
because if God didn't have a purpose for what he wouldn't have allowed it. So here God is, he's determining everything that comes in our lives. No, I don't want that to come in, in their lives. Yeah, I want that to come in their lives. So he's the pu puppeteer. They say, don't worry. This is what some Christians say. Don't worry. Everything is going to work out all right because God is in control. Now, we all know, we all know that there are many stories in life that don't have a happy ending. And it can be very disturbing to people to tell them, don't worry, God has a purpose in it. It's going to all turn out all right because God is in control. And yet we know, if we'll be honest, there are situations, circumstances, and people who have gone their entire life, died in tragic, sad, unhappy situations. And for them in this life, it did not all turn out good. So, is God really in control? Now, I don't believe, this is my personal belief, and I believe it's based off Scripture. I don't believe that the Bible teaches that God is controlling everything in the earth, every decision, every event every outcome. I don't believe, and I've read through the Bible many times. I'm in my 40-some year of, of, of ministry, over above 40 years, and I don't believe the Bible teaches that God is controlling everything in the earth. I don't believe the Bible teaches that God is controlling every decision that people make. I don't believe the Bible teaches that God is controlling every event and every outcome. I just don't believe the Bible is teaching that. Now, if God was in control, let's say God is in control. He's controlling everything. If God, let's use reason now. We're going to go to scripture, but let's start off with just human reasoning. If God was in control in the earth and he's a good God and he was controlling everything, then no woman would ever experience rape because God is in control and he loves it. He's loving and he's powerful and he definitely doesn't want women to experience rape. So if God was really in control, no woman would ever experience rape. No children would be molested. If God was really in control, I mean, manipulating everything, no person would ever be homeless. If God really was in control, there would be no storm, no adverse weather comes in and destroy life and property. Come on, let's think logically, and then we're going to go to the scripture. It is obvious, it is obvious that if God is in control, he's a good God, he's all powerful, he can do anything he want to do, it's obvious that if he's love, he would not go for all this stuff that's happening in the earth. Okay, now, God is not 
controlling everything in the earth. However, God is in control of heaven. Now watch this. God is in control of heaven. Now listen at this. Revelations 21, 4 says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Now listen, when God is in control, so God is in control of heaven. And watch this. No one is crying in heaven. There's no death in heaven. There's no sorrow in heaven. There's no crying in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. Why? Because God is in control of everything that's going on in heaven. Now, God is, and here's where balance should come in. God is in control of the ultimate destiny of Israel. Now, he, he's not controlling every decision that people in Israel are making, the government is making. He's not controlling everything like that. But he is in control of the ultimate destiny of Israel. God is in control of the ultimate destiny of the church. God is in control of the ultimate removal and destruction of Satan, demons, and evil. God is in control of the ultimate establishment of the new heaven and the new earth. Now, why is it that we just think and, and we propagate and, and, and communicate this doctrine that God is controlling everything? I think the problem is what I'm calling an imbalanced understanding of the sovereignty of God. An imbalanced understanding of the sovereignty of God. Now, Control and sovereignty are not the same thing. Now, I want you to follow me. Now, I know this is going to be a little different, but it's Bible now. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you scripture and, and, and verse in scripture. I'm going to give you text, okay? Control and sovereignty are not the same thing. And that's where we're getting confused. Now, listen at this. Control. Let's talk about control. Control means to manage. Control means to run things. When you're in control, you're running things. Control means I direct behavior. I direct people's behavior. I determine the outcome of events. When I'm in control, I am directing people's behavior. I'm determining the outcome of events. Okay. Let's say a person is driving an automobile. We're talking about control. Question, who has the steering wheel? The person driving the automobile. Okay, question, who is, de who is determining the direction that the car is going in? The person who has the steering wheel, the driver. Question, who is determining the speed of the car? Again, the person driving the automobile. So we could say that the person driving the automobile is in control. Now, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And God may have blessed you with the car, may have dressed, 
I paid for the car for the driver, gave the driver the money, so God is sovereign. But God is not driving that car. God is not in control of that car. And if you don't believe it, if you speed and get caught speeding by a state trooper, they pull you over, and they said, you're doing 90 miles in a 70 miles zone, or speed zone. What are you going to say? Well, you know, God is in control. Tell, tell them, tell the state trooper God is in control. He's in the control of my life. Yeah, God is controlling my life. That state trooper probably going to give you a double ticket because you're acting stupid now. No, you're in control. You're in control. You're controlling the car. Now, let's talk sovereignty. Let's talk sovereignty. The word sovereign, and God is sovereign, the word sovereign means self-existent. It means self-directing. It means self-governing. It means supreme in rank, authority, and power. Sovereignty means supreme in rank, authority, and power. In other words, we could say like the, like the old people used to say, God is God all by himself. God is God all. He's sovereign. He's God all by himself. He doesn't need anyone outside of himself to exist. God is sovereign. He doesn't need anyone outside of himself to be fulfilled. God is elevated above everyone, everything. He's under no authority. He's under no rule. And he doesn't have to ask anyone's permission to do anything he wants to do. He's sovereign. Got it? Now listen at this. God is sovereign, but he's not in control. God said that. God is sovereign, but he's not in control. The two are not the same thing. For example, if my son or my daughter, either one of them, let's say they want to come by my house, my wife and, 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 and my house, and I give either one of them, they have the code, they have a key to the house. And we're not going to be home. My wife and I are going out of town, and they have the code, they have the key, they can come in the house. And I tell them, I said, now listen, uh, there's food in the refrigerator. They want to come by and watch the playoffs. They want to watch the playoffs. This big television, this theater, they want to watch the television, they want to watch the playoffs. I said, well, there's food in the refrigerator. There's food in the pantry, snacks in the pantry. Enjoy yourself. When they come over to our house, the house belongs to us. We're sovereign. It belongs to us. Everything in the house belongs to us. But we have given them the authority to use it. And we expect them to respect our values, but they have access to everything in the house. My wife and I are not controlling the house. We're away. We're not controlling that situation. 
they are controlling it. I, my children are controlling it. We're not going in the pantry getting snacks. They are. We're not going in the refrigerator getting food. They are. They have the remote. They're turning on the television. And we expect them to protect our home while we're not there and to honor it the way we would and to represent us while they're there. They're in control. We're sovereign, but they are in control. The two are different. Now, listen at this. This is going to be very powerful. And then I'll build on it next in our next lesson. But it's very powerful. God utilized his sovereignty and restricted himself. Now, that is something I want you to write that down. Make a mental note of it. Uh, put it in your cell phone. Save it. Uh, laminate it on, on paper. Whatever you want to do, but you need to keep this. You need to understand this is going to help you to understand why God doesn't just stop everything going on. God utilized his sovereignty and restricted himself. Let me say this a different way. <clears throat> I'll say it a different way. This is going to keep you from being angry with God. It's going to keep you from getting frustrated. Now watch this. In God's sovereignty, God made three purposeful decisions that ultimately restricted himself. Now I'll say that again. In his sovereignty, all by himself, nobody made him do this. Nobody could force him to do this. Nobody told him to do this. He decided in his sovereignty, God, who controls everything, on everything, above everybody, in his sovereignty, he made three purposeful decisions that ultimately restricted himself. In other words, when he, in his sovereignty, made the decision, he couldn't go against the decisions he made. Because if he went against the decisions that he made, he would have been working against himself. And God is never going to work against himself or work against what he says. Now watch this. He made three purposeful decisions. The first decision that God made that restricted himself, God gave the earth to man to rule and manage. God gave the earth to man to gave the earth to man to rule and manage. That was a decision he made. Nobody made him do it. He he gave the earth to man. These three decisions had to do with rulership partnership and choice, rulership, partnership, and choice. So the first decision that he made had to do with rulership. He decided to give the earth to man to rule and manage. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now watch this. Let them, man, male, female, let them have dominion. Let them. Now this is God speaking this. This is God making a decision. He said, Let them have dominion. The word dominion means to rule, it means to exercise authority. It means to subjugate. 
to subjugate. Now watch this. The word subjugate means to bring under control anything that's out of alignment to the values of heaven, the will of God, anything that's not operate, he said, subjugate it. Bring it out of an authority. So here we see that God is not in control. God gave the control to rule the earth to man. Now, when Jesus came in the earth, he served as an example to us how man, Adam, and every man after him, every man, every woman, boy, and girl after him were to rule the earth. When Jesus was in the earth, he controlled sickness, he controlled disease, he controlled poverty, he multiplied the low, controlled poverty, he controlled sin, he controlled death, and he controlled adverse weather conditions. He operated in the earth the way God intended for Adam and all humanity to operate in the earth. Now, that was a purposeful decision that God made. He gave man rulership of the earth. The second uh, decision that God in his sovereignty made that restricted himself, God chose from the time of creation to work on the earth through humans, through man, not independent of them. God chose in his sovereignty that I'm going to work in the earth through men. I'm not going to work independent of men. Now watch this. That's partnership. When God did that, made that decision in his sovereignty, nobody made him do it. He chose to do it. He restricted himself to partnership. Partnership. Now, allow me to give you some examples of partnership. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says, God is speaking. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will, then I will. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. If they will humble them, my people will humble themselves. If my people would pray, if my people will seek my face, if my people will turn from their wicked way, then I will, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now notice God ability to do what he wanted to do because he wanted the people to experience forgiveness. He wanted the people to be healed. He wanted the land to be healed, but there was partnership. If my people, I will. That's partnership. Now, here's another example of partnership. Ezekiel 22:30. It says, so I sought for a man among them. God is speaking. He said, I sought for a man among them who will make a wall, a man who will stand in the gap before me 
on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Now, God says, I don't want to destroy the earth. I don't want destruction to come to the earth. So I need a man to stand in the gap on my behalf, and I'll work with that man and destruction won't come. Now, notice that's partnership. God said, I sought for a man. See, if God hadn't made that decision to operate in the earth through men, he could just do whatever he want to. He could just say, forget them. I don't care what they want. I don't care. If, I, don't, I don't care what they want. I'm going to do what I want. I don't care. But no, he made a decision. The third decision that he made that restricted himself, nobody forced him to, in his sovereignty, he chose to give men the power of choice. He chose to give men the power of choice. He gave men free will. Choice. So the first decision had to do with rulership. The second decision had to do with partnership. The third decision that God made had to do with choice. God decided that I am going to allow men to choose to follow me. I'm going to allow men to choose to obey me. I'm going to give man free will. I'm going to give man, he says now, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, good and evil. He said, choose life. Choose life that you and your children can. He said, choose life. Well, God, won't you just make us do it? Why don't you just make us obey you? Why don't you just, you God, you in control, everybody say, why don't you make it? Because God made a choice that restricted himself. In Genesis 2, 16, 17, God commanded, the, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. He said, now listen, listen, you can eat from every tree except that one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from that tree, you're going to die. Well, well, why you put the tree in there in the beginning? I mean, why God could just take the tree out in the beginning? You, you know, why you put that tree in there? No. See, he made a choice. He wanted the man to obey him. Now watch this. Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he will with me. Now notice Jesus said, I'm standing. I'm standing at the door, and I'm knocking. I'm knocking at the door. 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 I'm knocking. I'm not going to burst the door down. I'm not going to come in if you don't want me to come in. I'm going to knock. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to say I want to come in, and then I'm going to allow you to decide whether I come in or not. Now, if you open the door and let me come in, I'll sup with you. I'll dine with you. I'll bring everything I have, but you have have to choose. And that's why God doesn't stop people from going to hell. He allows them to choose. They say, well, I don't want God. I don't want to be saved. I don't want that church stuff. I don't want God. And God won't force you to 
that? Why? Because he gave men free choice. The most tragic thing that could ever happen to a person. We're talking about why doesn't God stop tragedies? There is no greater tragedy than a man dying and going to hell. No greater tragedy. No greater tragedy. Why? Because it's eternal. There's no second chance. There's no let's start over. There's no I give up. Now let me up. You know, when we were wrestling as kids, you know, if you're a friend got you down, you said, well, I give. And they'll yeah, get off you. And then we start back wrestling again. Well, when people die and go to hell, there's no more choice. There's no more. Just, it's eternal. That's the most tragic thing. Now, people can experience, a Christian can experience tragedy in this life, die and go straight to heaven. Go straight to heaven. So it's, it's tragic on this side, but it's not final. Hell is final, yet God allows people to choose. You say, why? Because love, because he loves us, and love can't be forced. You can't force somebody to love you. Some men try to force their wives to love them. They, they control what they do, control where they go and all that. But that's not love. That's imprisonment. That's bondage. No, love gives a choice. And you know what? The unfortunate reality is choice is detrimental to some people. People choose the wrong thing, yet God allows it because he made a decision to give men choice. So why doesn't God just jump in and change everything? Because he gave partnership, because he gave rulership, because he decided to work with us, and then he decided to give men choice. Now, I don't want you to feel guilt or anything like that, because I'm speaking now to the church, the body of Christ, not an individual person. I honestly believe that there are a lot of things going on in the world that God doesn't want to happen, and he expects us to stop it. But we don't understand our role, and we could exert more authority than we have, but we don't know we have the authority. And I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about some of that uh, in our next lesson. Listen, you got to meditate on this. You got to meditate on this. In our final lesson, I'm going to talk about how God operates in the earth. How does he operate in the earth? How does he? We, we know he's not just coming in and out whenever he wants to because of what we taught you today. So how does he operate in the earth? And there are three primary avenues that he operates in, and I'm going to talk about that in our next lesson. Listen, I pray that uh, you go back and listen to this lesson. Uh, you can go to Mike Moore Ministries and uh, on YouTube and pull up all these lessons. It'll be a blessing to you. Share it with others. And then listen, have a great rest of the week, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Mm -hmm.